better man because of Joy, and she is a fantastic wife, very supportive, very, very encouraging, fantastic mom, and, and I am blessed, hugely, hugely blessed. We're doing a series right now on building stronger homes, and we've said that the aim or mission of the family and the mission, the aim of parenting is to raise children who look like Jesus, okay? That, that sometimes people will say, maybe if you have a son, they, if you have a daughter, uh, sometimes they may say, wow, your daughter looks just like your wife or your son looks just like your, your husband. And what we want is we want children, not so much who look like us, but we want children who look like Jesus. And, and that's the real aim of parenting, is to raise children, not so much who look like us, but who look like Jesus. And, and that is our aim. And when we talk about that, what we want is we want to see our, our children, our kids, becoming more like Jesus in their thinking, because I think everything begins right there. If your thinking's right, a lot of other things are, are automatically right. But we want to become more like Jesus. We want to see our, our kids become more like Jesus in their thinking, more like Jesus in their attitudes, and then more like Jesus in their affections and in their actions. But all of that is an important part of what, it, what raising kids is supposed to be about, about what the family is supposed to be about. Now, I'm not a farmer, uh, but my grandfather was. I remember as a boy getting up very, very early in the morning. And when I say early in the morning, it was probably an hour or two before, uh, you know, before dawn. But I can remember as a kid waking up, my grandfather already being up. I remember watching him and how he would prepare his coffee. And uh, he always made instant coffee, and he had a little cup on it. And, uh, and he would put uh, instant coffee in there, and then he'd pour water into it. Uh, and then he would pour cream in that until the, until the coffee would spill over into the saucer. And then he would drink his, his coffee uh, from the saucer. And what my grandfather did, my grandfather, was, he, he was born in the 1800s. And, uh, and so uh, he grew up uh, old south. Uh, it, I mean, my mom, my dad, they grew up without indoor plumbing. They grew up without electricity. So it was, it was almost like Little House on the Prairie type days uh, for them. And, uh, but what my grandfather did, even uh, when I was growing up, I can remember he would get up and he would put on his hip boots, waiter boots, to go out into the rice field, and he'd ride his horse out into the rice fields with a shovel. And that's how he did all of his work. But uh, this is not about farming. Uh, it's about raising kids. But if you're a farmer, you need several things to be able to grow a really healthy crop. Okay? Here in our community, we don't have rice farming as much as they did back there when I was a kid growing up. Uh, back there, it was rice, soybeans, uh, cotton, things like that. <coughs> Here, our farming is more vineyards, orchards, some row crops. That's kind of our farming around here. But as a farmer, there are several things you need in order to produce the kind of crop you want to produce. Okay? That you have to all have all of these things. And one thing that you need is you need really, really fertile, fertile soil with great soil structure. And when you have great soil structure and when you have fertile soil, uh, that's kind of the starting place for being able to grow crops that produce a great harvest. Uh, secondly, uh, you need water. You need water. Not too much water and not too little. But you've got to have water. And the other thing you have to have is you have to have sunshine. And you have to have all three of those things in order to be able to produce the kind of harvest that you want to see. Now, the question that I have today is what are 
the resources, if we think of things like soil, water, sunshine, as the resources a farmer needs to grow a productive crop, then what are the things that our families need? What are the things that we as parents need in order to produce a, a, a healthy, productive harvest in the lives of our children? What do we need? What are the things that we need to create a harvest in the lives of our kids where they begin to look more like Jesus in their thinking, where they begin to look more like Jesus in their affections, in their attitudes, and their actions. So one thing that we like to do from time to time is we like to gather in little groups. And so I'm going to ask you to turn to the person next to you or two or three people around you or however many people you want to include. But I want you to answer this question together. What are the resources we need to help create a harvest of righteousness in the lives of our children? Uh, as they grow up, so that they begin to look more like Jesus. So let's talk about that. You don't have to be a parent. You can be a grandparent. You, well, if you're a grandparent, you're a parent. Uh, but you can be a grandparent. Uh, you can be a, 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 maybe a parent, a future parent. But, but what I want you to do is I want you to think about it, and I want you to discuss that among yourselves for a moment. All right, let's come back together again. So what we're talking about is what are the resources, what are some great resources that parents need if they are going to produce a harvest of righteousness in their kids, where their kids grow up looking more and more like Jesus in the future. So what are some of the things you came up with? Love. Love, okay. So love is one, all right. Uh, Judy? Okay, so listening, and with that, trying to understand. Okay, uh, okay, uh, someone else. Family of God, okay. I have a thought on this one that I want to share with you later. Uh, that, that uh, An article I read yesterday in Christianity Today. It's real interesting, really, really interesting. Chriselle? Uh-huh, 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 yeah, good role model, that's huge, yeah. Okay, discipline, structure, all right, prayer, sleep, did I hear that? Yeah, parents. Parents need lots of sleep. What I've, I've noticed in myself is the more sleep I get, the less irritable I am. Okay. Uh, someone else? Kathy? 
Okay, okay. I'm going to put that in red. Yeah, yeah. Uh, dinner table, dinner table is really interesting is that if you look statistically at children who grow up around a dinner table with children who don't, uh, that the outcomes in their lives are very, very different. Uh, it's really interesting. It's just one little indicator, and it's kind of like a, uh, I read this book a while back, and they talked about keystone habits. And a keystone habit is kind of like a foundational habit that out of that one habit, typically a lot of other really good things happen. It's kind of like having a domino, and you tip that one domino, and then a whole long line of dominoes goes down. Uh, that, that, that is a keystone habit that has a ripple effect that tends to affect a lot of other areas of life. And it's something that we wouldn't normally think of, and yet it's huge. So, But time around the dinner table or time together as a family, talking, talking about the things of the Lord. I also heard someone over here say time. Uh, Aaron, what did you mean by that? Okay, so time together in the Word, okay? Okay, hang on a second. I'm not that, not that fast. All right, I'm going to go with a different color here. Let's go with a different color. I heard patience, and then Debbie, you said, what did you say? Encouragement. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Kids need a ton of encouragement. And quite frankly, so do we. Okay? Just people do better in life, not when they're criticized, but when they're encouraged. And, and the more encouragement that we receive, the better output we give, and the more encouragement our children get, the better output we'll see in their lives as well. But I think encouragement is fantastic. Somebody else, what, what are resources that we need uh, for building strong, healthy families? Okay, church and fellowship. Church and fellowship. And uh, I, I would just add to this is, uh, is not just going to church, you know, quick in, quick out, and never making a connection with people. Not just going to the church, but being the church. Being the church, I think, is absolutely huge. Mary. Honesty and humility. Okay? Honesty and humility. You know, one of the most profound encounters I ever had with my dad was when my dad apologized to me for something that he did wrong and I said, oh dad, that's okay. And my dad said, no, it's not okay. What I did was wrong. Would you please forgive me? And so I learned that day the difference between excusing and forgiving and it had a profound impact on me but it centered in my dad's humility and honesty, owning up to what he had said and done that was not, wasn't okay. And um, you know, in that moment when I initially saw him kind of blow up in anger, I didn't really understand all of that. But then when he apologized later, it, was, it had a profound impact on me. But we have time for maybe one more. One more, uh, Brandon. Oh, okay, okay. Talk to me about that. What do you mean?
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. I love that, Brandon. You know, one of the things I see in you, that I, you're a very, very positive person. And, and I, I think that kind of goes with that idea of celebrating good. Quite frankly, I think we need to work on that as a church. And, and the person you need to work on it the most is me. Uh, I, I need to get better at us leading us and celebrating the good, good things that happen in our church. But, yeah, thanks for that. That is a really, really good thing. Well, what I want to do today is I want to share with you three things that I think are huge. And all these things are really good. And actually, a couple of these things uh, we're going to look at and talk about in more detail next week. Uh, next week, we're going to talk about some of the, the, the potholes, the pitfalls uh, that, can, uh, that, that we have sometimes as parents and that we have in our families. And we're going to address that next week. But today, what I, in, in today I want to look at three things in particular Three fantastic resources for us uh, as parents. Uh, and aspects of what I'm going to share with you today, you're going to feel like, hey, I feel like I've heard this before, Gary. I think I've heard you talk about this before. And the reason you've, you think that is because I have. Uh, it's because I think these things are, uh, are absolutely crucial and critical. If what a farmer needs is he needs great uh, soil that is that is fertile and has fantastic soil structure, if he needs water and if he needs sunshine to produce a great harvest, a crop of the great harvest, then if you take away any one of those one things from that crop, that crop is not going to be productive. It, you might even imagine it this way. Imagine a stool, a stool that has three legs. What happens if you take one of those legs away? It doesn't work. You have to have all three of those. If any one of those is missing, the stool won't stand. And I want to share with you three things that are absolutely crucial. If any one of these things is missing in your life, if any one of these things is missing in your marriage, if any one of these things is missing from your family, um, you've got to give attention to this. It is absolutely crucial for you. It is absolutely crucial for your marriage. It is absolutely crucial crucial for your family. And the first resource that God has given us, and it's what you expect me to say, is the Word of God. Uh, the moment you began talking this and discussing this among yourselves, I heard Noreen say to her group, the Bible, that the most important thing that you need and that I need for raising our kids and creating in them a harvest of righteousness is the Word of God. Sometimes, sometimes people want a really good book on parenting. Have you ever wanted a good book on parenting? You ever want that? Yeah. Well, there's a book we're going to do in, uh, that I want to do with some people in September. Uh, it's called Raising Kingdom Kids. What is it called? Um, it's got in here somewhere. Uh, but Raising Kingdom Kids, I can't remember the, the whole title. It's kind of like long. Anyway, uh, Raising Kingdom Kids, Giving Your Child a Living Faith. It's by Tony and Lewis Evans. Tony Evans uh, started a, a, a church. Um, I can't remember the name of it, but uh, in downtown Dallas, and uh, Tony's had an incredible impact, uh, not just in Dallas, but nationally in his investment in men, investment in families, uh, and um, some of you don't know who Tony Evans is, but you might know who his, his daughter is, Priscilla Schreier, and she's written a few books, as has Tony Evans, but she's written a few books, and she's been uh, in a, a one movie, what was the name of that movie? War Room, and she's going to be in another movie that's coming out in uh, August uh, with the Kendrick Brothers. But uh, she, in her 
Uh, they've got one son, uh, Anthony, who used to be on the show called The View, which some of you may have heard of before. And then uh, one of their daughter or one of their sons, um, Jonathan, he he actually played in the NFL for a while, and right now he's going to school where I went. But what they did is they wrote this book together as a family. The kids helped write it, and uh, they tell lots of stories. But we're gonna uh, what I want to do is do a group with they put together a video curriculum, and I want to do that with some of the with people who want to get better at raising families. But what I'm going to tell you is that sometimes what we want is we want the help of the experts. And so we look to books. What I'm going to tell you is there is one expert who is far above all of them, okay? And it's God. And there's one book that's far above all books, and it's this book. And some of you say, well, you know, it's really not a book on parenting. What I'll tell you to do is this, just read it, okay? Uh, you want a really good place to start looking at and thinking about parenting? Proverbs. Just read a, a chapter a day. A chapter a day. And then as you read it, just keep a little notebook and write down different thoughts, ideas from it that can help you as a parent and that can help your children grow in wisdom. Because really, if you're helping your children grow in wisdom, you're doing a lot of stuff right. You really are. Uh, but, you know, the first thing that we need is the, the Word of God. And... Uh, the Bible says this, you know, Moses was speaking to the nation of Israel. He had just led them out of, um, uh, God had just brought them out of Egypt uh, under Moses' leadership. And then what Moses did is he began to preach kind of like a long sermon, much longer than any of mine. Uh, it's called the book of Deuteronomy. And, and that's what it is. It's really like a really, really long sermon. And in that, he, he says to the people of Israel, he says this, he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And you get love for God right, you get a lot of other things in life right. Okay? But he tells them, hey, there is one God, not many gods, there is one God. One God. And, and, and what you need to do is you need to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. That means love Him with every fiber of your being. Then he says this in verse 6. He, Moses says, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. By the way, anytime you read the Bible, pray. Say, God, please write your word on my heart. I don't know if you've ever read the Bible, and later that day someone asks you, what did you read? And you're like, uh, I don't know. Uh, that's because what we need to do is sometimes we need to read and reflect, but we also need to read and receive. The Bible says, receive the word of God and plant it that is able to save your souls. We need to humbly receive the word of God. We need to ask God to write his word on our hearts. But what the scripture says, these commandments I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. By the way, if it's not on your heart, if it's not on your heart, impressing it on your children isn't going to have a lot of impact. Someone talked about that. One of the things that kids need is a good role model. What they don't need is do what I say, not as uh, I do. What they need to see is they need to see the Word of God on your heart. And then what they need you to do is to impress the Word of God on your children. Talk about it when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. You know what that means? All the time. 
all the time. Now, I'm not against the idea of having a specified devotional time, maybe once a week with your family or something like that. I think that can be really, really helpful. But the truth is, you know, it's so fascinating. When you read through the Gospels and you watch Jesus and how Jesus made disciples, Jesus didn't have a curriculum. He didn't go through, I, don't, I, I love Navigators, okay, but he didn't go the, through the Navigators 2-7 series, you know. He didn't go through, you know, Campus Crusades, whatever. You know, what, what, and I'm not against any of those things. All those things are fantastic. But a lot of what Jesus did is he taught over mills, and he taught through the daily rhythms of just life together. And that is where the greatest impact typically comes. Now, I'm for the idea of family devotions. I really am. And there have been times where we've done it better as a family, and there are times where we haven't done it that well, and that's my fault. But, but more important than all of that is that what our children need is they need the Word of God to be on our hearts, and they need us to impress them, press it, it on them uh, throughout the daily rhythms of our days and our weeks. Okay? Um, uh, you know, let me, let me, quick question here. Well, actually, another text of Scripture, another text of Scripture is not in our notes, not on the, it's not in this, but, but just, uh, anybody ever feel inadequate as a parent? Ever feel inadequate? Okay, here's a word for you. Circle this word. Okay? Adequate. Can you see, can you say that with me? Adequate. Adequate. All right. Do you want to be adequate? You want to be adequate? Yeah, okay, I think most of us do. This is what the Bible says. All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable. See, it's inspired and it is profitable. There's profit in this word. There's profit in this word. I mean, if you could go out in your backyard and dig up a bunch of gold, would you do it? Well, let me tell you there's gold in this book to dig up. And what the scripture says, it says this, all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. That the man of God, that the woman of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Uh, well, what does that word adequate mean? The Greek word is ardios. I don't expect you to remember that, but it can mean complete competent, proficient, perfect, prepared, thoroughly equipped. You want to get better as a parent? You want to be adequate? You want to be complete, competent, thoroughly equipped? Yeah, yeah me too. Yeah, then be in the Word of God. Be in the Word of God. Um, second thing you need, second resource that God gives us is the Spirit of God. We have the Word of God, we have the Spirit of God. In Galatians chapter 5.16, the Bible says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you'll not carry out the desire of the flesh. Now, anybody ever struggle with carrying out the desire of the flesh? You ever struggle with being irritable? You ever struggle with being self-centered, self-absorbed, whatever? What the Bible says, walk by the Spirit, and you'll not carry out the desires of the flesh. Let me put it this way. The Bible says this. The fruit of the Spirit, as you read through Galatians 5, as you read through it, it says this. It says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. Some of the things we're talking about up here. See, remember how we were talking about love? Remember how we were talking about patience? Remember how we were talking about so many of these things up here? 
discipline. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. That's what the Bible says. You want more love in your home? Then you need more of the Spirit in your life. Do you want more joy in your home? You need more of the Spirit in your life. Do you want, do you want more patience in your home? Then you want more patience in your life, which means you want more of the Spirit. Do you want more kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control in the home? It always begins in the heart, in your heart. Not your children, not your parents, not your spouse, not your brother, not your sister. It begins with you. It begins with you and the Spirit of God in you. And as you walk by the Spirit, as you walk by the Spirit, you will begin to cultivate and see more of the fruit of the Spirit in your life and in your home. The walking by the Spirit. Uh, third resource that God has given us. He's given us the Word of God. He's given us the Spirit of God. But the third resource is this, the people of God. The people of God. Uh, that, 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 that some people, and, and let me just say this, when I talk about the people of God, I'm talking about the church. All right? And, and when I'm talking about the church, a lot of people in our world today have a very low view of the church. And the reason for that is we tend to look at the church uh, primarily as an institution. Or we look at the church as kind of like a vendor of religious services. Or we look at the church as like a building. Or we look at the church as like a service time. And the Bible never looks at the church in any of those terms. In fact, it, 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 those kinds of terms, it's, just, it's, it's foreign to the Scripture. When the Bible talks about the church, the Bible takes a very, very high view of the church. The Bible tells us that Jesus is building this church. In the Bible, the church is called the body of Christ. In the, the Bible, the church is called the bride of Christ. It's called the household of God. It's called the pillar and foundation of the truth. It's called a new temple and a holy priesthood. See, in the Bible, there is a very, very high view of the church. And in the New Testament, people didn't just go to church. They invested themselves in becoming a healthy, thriving church. They understood that church wasn't a building that they met in or a religious service they attended or an institution. They approached church a lot differently. Uh, we, we see this modeled in Acts 2.42. This is a verse that I preach from from time to time, that I just think is hugely important, that you need to be reminded of on a routine basis, because it's not about knowing this verse, it's about living this verse. See, this is a verse that God doesn't want you to know here. It's something that he wants written on your heart. And it's something that he wants you to live in your daily and weekly rhythms. And when we see people doing church in the Bible, this is the way they did it in Acts 2.42. They were continually devoting themselves continually devoting themselves. And, and if you have your Bible open to Acts 2.42, I would circle those words. Continual devotion. That they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, that's the Word of God, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. That, that the early church, they were a devoted people. 
And, and they didn't approach church kind of in a haphazard way. They approached church in a very, very intentional way. And what our children need us to do more than take them to church is they need us to teach them how to be the church. Are you with me here? What your children need is they don't just need you to take them to church. They need you to teach them how to be, how to be the church. And that's what we want to do. Is We want to teach our children how uh, to be the, the church. That um, a guy named, or New Testament scholar named Richard Longnecker says that, 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 that this verb uh, that's translated as devoted uh, it, 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 it connotes, it, it suggests, means, signifies a steadfast and single-minded fidelity to a certain course of action. Okay? That, that, uh, the, 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 the Greek word here, it means to continue steadfastly. It means to persevere devotedly in the teaching of the apostles, which is the scriptures, fellowship, breaking bread, and prayer. Now, you know, the, the, the teaching of the apostles, you know, the, the, the scriptures, that's kind of easy. We understand that. Fellowship, uh, as a kid, when I was growing up, I kind of thought that fellowship was donuts and coffee. All right? But, yeah, Luke had already told me before church, I want a donut after church. All right? Uh, but, but fellowship is more than coffee and donuts. The, the, what fellowship is, is I think it's the kind of friendship where... You can be open and honest with a friend about your habit, your uh, your your habits, your hangups, and your hurts, where your friend listens and doesn't fix. Sometimes in church, we don't listen; we fix. We don't uh, patiently listen. And then maybe ask them, how can I support you? Instead, what we do is when a person begins to talk about their hurts, their habits, their hang-ups, we start telling them, well, this is what you should do. Should. You should. You should. You should. And that's the reason a lot of people in the world today have a very low uh, view of the church is because they feel like it's, it, it's a place of you should instead of how can I help. And so what we need, what fellowship is about Fellowship is all about being able to listen to people and support people and encourage people without trying to fix them. And that's what fellowship is. And we need, that is something that we have got to reclaim. Okay? I think we do it okay as a church, but I think it's something we can do even better. Uh, the breaking of the bread, this is about things like uh, Cinco de Mayo, you know. No, just kidding. It's, it's, it's uh, muy bueno, uh, Cinco de Mayo. All right, it, it, this is more than church potlucks. It's more than, uh, in, in, in the New Testament, uh, it, it, you know, it, it could be the, the, what's been called the agape feast or love feast. It could be reference to communion. Uh, but one thing that we know is that, that for them, that, that the meal that they took together was something that for them was a place of real communion and connection. And uh, it's not so much about the food that you ate as it was the company that you kept. Uh, because for them, their meals were not real elaborate. They were basically pretty simple. But it wasn't about the food you ate. It was about the company that you kept. And, and for them, what the Bible tells us is they broke bread together with gladness and sincerity of hearts. That, that it's about coming together with, with joy, with gladness. Okay, And it's about coming together with sincerity of heart. You know, that there's a, 
a humility and there is a, uh, a, a transparency and, 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 and there is uh, room at the table for everybody uh, and that people are loved and accepted the way they are. And, and so there needs to be this commitment, this devotion to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking bread, and finally to prayer. Is it coming together and praying together? By the way, uh, first Sunday in July, uh, we're going to have a special time of prayer where we're going to invite everybody in the church to come out and really uh, pray together for our week of hope that's going to be coming up in, in, in July. And, uh, and, and what we're going to be doing is, uh, I think, is it June 9th we're going to kick it off or June? Yeah, June 9th. On June 9th, we're going to kick off 40 days of prayer. 40 days of prayer as we are ramping up to week of hope and, and reaching out into our community. And, and so and, and that's a, one of the things that we have talked a lot about among the staff and that we've talked a lot about among the elders is we think that one of the things that our church, that we really want to do is we want to build leaders because our church needs more leadership. That's part of the reason why I picked up a new men's group on Thursday. Uh, but we, uh, we need very, very strong male leadership and female leadership, but we really need to work on our male leadership. Right, guys? Yeah. That's why we met together on Thursday night, because we know that, and we're committed to that. We're going to work on building stronger, healthier male leadership to help complement some of that really good, healthy female leadership we have. But we want to grow leaders from the knees up. You understand what I'm saying? That we want to grow leaders from the knees up because, because a leader isn't really a good leader until he knows how to humble himself before God. And that's what we need to do. That's what we want to do. And, and so uh, back to this idea of the church, what we want is we want our leadership to pray. And that's the reason our elders and staff have been meeting uh, on a monthly basis a dedicated time where we're praying for revival for our church, spiritual awakening in our community. And, uh, but what we want to do is we want to begin to make this more church-wide as we are rolling into Week of Hope. So the leadership of our church, our elders, our staff, we're already invested in it. We've been meeting monthly now for, I don't know, since the first of the year. And, uh, but we're going to continue to ramp up to that, and that's something that we really want to grow at uh, and get better at. So, but, but three things that you need for building a stronger, healthier home that creates a harvest of righteousness in your kids is the Word of God, the Spirit of God, the people of God. The Bible says this. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. And, and unless we have God's blessing and God's help in, plant, or in, in, in our homes, uh, where everything we do is going to fall short. And so what we need is we need the Word of God written on our hearts. We need, uh, we need the Spirit of God walking by the Spirit. And we need the people of God where we are really devoted to following Jesus together and living His mission together. Let's pray. God, today what we want to do is, is we want to acknowledge that, uh, you know, without your help, all of our work is uh, ultimately um, it, it just, it, it's going to be vain. And so what we need is we need more than anything else, uh, we need your blessing. We need your blessing on us as, as moms, as dads. Um, and, and, Lord, so what I want to pray for is that, that I want to pray that you would bless the work of our hands as parents. And, God, I pray that you would help us to be really, um, that you would help us to be, be people of your word. That I ask you to write your word on our hearts and help us to be 
people who are filled with your Spirit, walking by the Spirit. And Lord, help us to be people who are really committed to following Jesus, living the mission of Jesus together uh, as a church. And I pray this in Christ's name and for your glory. Amen.